0: We have several paintings around the house. Oh There's one gosh. in the back of you too. Oh the one in the back of you that one is the harbour at Agentia, Newfoundland.
1: Was your father from Newfoundland?
0: Uh his grand, his father was.
1: Oh, isn't that beautiful? Have you been there?
0: Yes. We went out to visit.
1: Oh years ago. Gosh. I, he does not look like an amateur artist. He looks like, you know, a very good artist. He was. Yeah. Uh,
0: It was amateur in that he never sold it.
1: He did it for (laughs) love. That's the root word.
0: He'd give a a picture away, but he wouldn't sell it.
1: Well, you're lucky to have it. And when Rose takes your picture, we'll have one of his pictures in the background. It's gorgeous. I just want to let our listeners know we are in a beautiful home at the corner of Old Stage Road and Maywood in Gilderland because Harold Green has been gracious enough to invite us here. And I have not been here except for five years ago on a very, very sad occasion. Um, His son, also Harold Green, was killed in Afghanistan. I believe he's the first general who was killed in the line of duty since Vietnam. And you were so gracious the day after that happened, talking to us about your son and letting me come in and look at pictures. And we just thought it would be good to circle back five years later and tell his story and find out about how you're doing. And you look like you're doing very well. Is that true?
0: Yes, I am. we bought the house back in 1970, and what you see around you is basically everything my wife set up. And she knew what she was doing, so.
1: Yeah, well. I've changed
0: a, as little as possible.
1: It's a, just a charming household. What we were discussing before we officially started were the beautiful pictures on the wall, which were painted by. My father. Yeah, and his name was. I'm sorry? What was his name?
0: Same as mine, Harold. Harold. Harold So there's a whole line
1: of three Harold's. Does it go back farther? Are there Harold's before your father? Yes, but they weren't
0: directly within the family. They were cousins and uncles.
1: I see. Well, it's a good name. So where did you grow up? Where are you from originally?
0: Uh, I grew up in Franklin, Massachusetts. It's a little town about the size of Gildaland now, but it was about 5,000 people back then. Oh and uh,
1: and what did your father do that he was originally from Newfoundland? What did he do oh, in Massachusetts?:
0: pa- It was a uh, contentious marriage. My parents separated, divorced, remarried, <laughs> and ended up together. Oh my. Uh,
1: so there was passion in all that contention. <laughs> yeah. And what did he do for a living? My father? Yeah.
0: Uh, he worked for the New Haven Railroad. And his official title was Carpenter, but basically they did any kind of repairs that were needed, whether it was metal or wood or whatever.
1: And I see you retain a touch of that Massachusetts accent with the R's, the Carpenter, and (laughs) whatever, which is charming.
0: To give you the location, if you look at a map, Rhode Island comes to a corner about 25 miles from Boston. Uh Uh-huh. Franklin is right at that corner.
1: Oh, Wow. So you're right in the Boston hub area.
0: Boston, Providence, Worcester, sort yeah. of in the middle of all three.
1: Wow. And what is it that brought you here to Gilderland? How, how did you end up coming here?
0: Uh, came originally on a study grant at the University of Albany. And,
1: and what were you studying?
0: I was a teacher. Math and science. And uh, we just never left.
1: So you must have liked it here.
0: We bought the house and settled in. The kids liked it. so.
1: And they went to Gilderland High School? Yes. And I know um, if we could just kind of walk through the story of your son Harold's life, I think people would really like to hear about it. I know five years ago you said right from the very beginning of his life— when he was a baby in the hospital <laughs> that um, <laughs> he was someone that would not be fed on a schedule. Do you want to just tell us a little about that?
0: Uh, that is true. Uh, he had a schedule, but it was his own. Mm-hmm. The hospital was Boston Lying Inn, which was the Harvard Teaching Hospital at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had a four-hour schedule for babies. and It worked beautiful for, for most of them. Uh, Harold's schedule was about three hours and 20 minutes. So they either put up with 40 minutes of howling baby or tried to find some way to adapt. <laughs> so in effect, I tell people that he trained the staff within three days, which is true. He, he did. But.
1: So he was kind of a natural born, uh, somebody who set the course right from the time he was born.
0: That's, that's one way of putting it, yes.
1: Yeah. Well, tell us a little about his growing up years. I remember you said he built kind of a neighborhood himself in the backyard.
0: Uh, that was before we moved to this house. Oh,
1: where were you then?
0: Uh, we were in Nashua, New Hampshire.
1: Okay. And
0: uh, we had a power line right away that ran behind the house.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it had its large sandy hill right directly in back of the house. And he turned that into a small city and uh, laid out a small city. And neighborhood kids from all over the, about half a mile in all directions, w- would work out there.
1: Yeah. So he was a leader again <laughs> at a
0: young uh, age. He started out that way, yeah. Building yes. a
1: city. So, um, wh- how about how old was he when you moved here to Gilderland?
0: He was in the sixth grade when we he moved here.
1: Okay, so in that era, there was a junior high he would have gone and, uh, to before the middle school, right? Yeah. Oh. And um, tell us about his time in the Gilderland School. Actually, uh,
0: we first moved to Westmere. We rented a house in Westmere.
1: So he was at Westmere Elementary probably then. What's that? Westmere Elementary School was probably his school then.
0: Uh, he was sixth grade. So yeah. the middle school.
1: Oh, the middle school was built his, then. His okay. younger
0: his younger brothers went to Westfield. <laughs>
1: oh, all right, all right. I couldn't remember. I I went to Gilderland myself in the era before the middle school, and you know we went to the junior high. But he went to Farnsworth Middle School. And how? What was he like as a student?
0: Uh. He was an excellent student, actually, uh, and and an independent student. So that. Uh, it didn't seem to matter where he went. He always wound up in that so-called top division. And uh,
1: He probably had two intelligent parents that were helping him along. Actually,
0: he didn't need help. No? Uh, he was... It, I think I would describe him as an independent student. He didn't require help from his parents.
1: So he was sort of an autodidact. He was somebody who could learn on his own. Right. That's wonderful. And did. Yeah. Uh, and I know he, you said he was a wrestler in high school. Is that right?
0: That's correct. Uh, he was never the top wrestler. He was always uh, the top of the JV team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and occasionally he would wrestle with the varsity, but only when the regular wrestler was out of action. For I, something.
1: I consider that one of the most basic of sports whenever I've gone to cover a match there, just man on man, flesh right. on flesh. <laughs> it's like you can't hide from anybody and run behind a ball. You're like right on top <laughs> of each other. Was that kind of scary to watch him do that? I I I don't have No.
0: Well he wasn't that big. He was yeah. uh, he wrestled if I remember correctly in the hundred and thirty pound class, which is about halfway down the scale mm-hmm. in terms of size. Mm-hmm. And in wrestling, you wrestle other opponents your own weight mm-hmm. so that the
1: so you're evenly matched but yeah. you are
0: they're evenly matched, and they're part of a team. It becomes a total team score rather than an individual scores in that context, he did very well,
1: yeah, so he went to a program at Rensselaer Polytech Institute where he miss the last year of high school in order to accelerate into college is that right That's correct. And what what did he study at RPI? Uh
0: It's re- basically it, it was a I'd call it a generic engineering program. Mhm. Uh And he got interested in the ROTC the first year out partly because they gave scholarships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the second year, he'd gotten a full term, a full ride scholarship, which was great for his parents because we had three kids coming up yeah. the, at the same time.
1: Well, I remember but you said it wasn't like he was gung ho military. He started out in ROTC because they had things like whitewater rafting, and that's the, that was
0: the reason that, that he joined the ROTC was mm-hmm. that, uh, RPI had a physical requirement, physical activity requirement, and the there were several options you could take. The ROTC and B1, but it had the most interesting and varied, call it athletic program, and uh, that was the reason he joined the ROTC.
1: And then he the did very, place. very well at it.
0: He did very well. Uh, by his senior year, he was the cadet commander.
1: And which is, after graduation, he went right into the military.
0: Yes. Well, and that was part of the, the deal. Yeah. He, uh, his second year on. Uh, he was awarded the Narrow T C scholarship, which was great for his parents because it was a full ride, paid everything, mm-hmm. including in a small allowance for living.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is, we had three boys coming up for college at the time. Every little bit helped. Yeah, sure, that's a lot. And so, just kind of tell us the arc of his military career. Um, how did that unfold? Uh,
0: it did not start off that well, because he had an uh, operating mode which tended to work with his people, rather than the military structure where you give orders and, uh, evaluate people on how well they're followed, You're mm-hmm. literally, as given, mm-hmm. uh. I describe it that way because I had some problems in that vein myself. Oh, because
1: you were in the military also.
0: (laughs) For a short period, yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: So he wasn't like a top-down kind of guy. He was somebody who liked to work with people people. as colleagues.
0: And I'm glad you described it that way because it fits perfectly. Uh, And in in some of his early years, his evaluation showed that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, even though he was not doing it as... uh, defined by military standards, typically, Mm -hmm. he was getting results. Mm -hmm. And he was given credit for that, even though his evaluations were almost split. Mm. (laughs) How he handled personnel was not so good. Results, high.
1: (laughs) Isn't that something? So some people could see the effect of it, and other people couldn't. They were split on... I'm sorry,
0: I'm having trouble. You were saying
1: how the evaluations were split, and I think that's interesting. He was getting Uh, the results, although he wasn't following the correct procedure.
0: That's a good way to put it, yes.
1: So, but he must have overcome that to have risen up the ranks as far as he did. I mean.
0: Well, I have to give the military some credit for this, because I think they were giving him credit for the results.
1: Okay. (laughs) Even
0: though some of the evaluations had some notations on them (laughs) that raised questions.
1: And then in the course of his service, he fell in love and got married to a woman who was also in the military. That's correct. And had children and...
0: They had two kids. Yeah. A boy and a girl.
1: A very full and happy life.
0: Uh, Interestingly enough the boy is now a captain in his own right in the military. Oh my goodness. became a West Point graduate.
1: Oh, good for him. So, uh, if it's not too painful, if you could tell us what happened during that trip to Afghanistan.
0: uh, Afghanistan was kind of a rough situation for the United States and mm-hmm. that we were promoting a form of government that had never been used in that area, that whole piece of Asia. Mm-hmm. And uh was misinterpreted both by the people who were participating in it and the opposition. Uh, so it, uh, for him, the assignment was as much educational, trying to help the Afghans adapt to a form of government that was not familiar to them and uh, showing necessary results at the same time. And he was getting the results too, surprisingly enough.
1: Did the Army ever give you a full report? I know when I talked to you five years ago, there were still questions about, you know, the specific circumstances surrounding his death. I did did I they ever inform you of what their investigation showed, and, and what was that?
0: Not only did they inform us, uh, we were invited to Washington and sat in on the full military investigation. And... Uh, can you, to, you
1: tell us about that? As the
0: background. Uh, fundamentally, uh, he was responsible for trying to uh, develop, develop an Afghan army that could stand on its own rather than depend on us. Mm-hmm. And this also, because they had no experience with any kind of self-government, involved uh, educating politicians as well.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was a combined activity. The one where he was killed was a combined activity where they were just opening a new training program equivalent to our West Point. And uh, they were bringing politicians, actually from several different countries, all of those that were involved in Afghanistan at the time, uh, to brief them on what was going to become a training program for Afghan officers and non coms That was a difference from our military. Uh, Just as a footnote, our military separates officers and non-coms for training entirely. This didn't. It would have them both.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Which also shows you something about his feelings about our own training. (laughs) Because he was the one setting up the program. Uh,
1: So he purposely included them together in the training.
0: Yes. And... uh, one misfit G.I., Afghan G.I., not American, uh, was seen entering the building with a rifle uh, before the crowd gathered. We now know why he did it. He, He found a bathroom that was not in use with a window that overlooked the area where the main meeting was being held. And, uh, with the window open for ventilation purposes, was able to fire from inside the room without being detected until after the shot. And uh, the shot was... Uh, shooting was not intended for Harry specifically. He was shooting at the... But Harry was the lead officer at the time, and any, any military looking on can tell you in a 30 seconds who's in charge.
1: Hmm.
0: And uh, he picked his victims... I call them victims because it was a complete shot. Uh, surprise when he supposedly the area had been swept. And,
1: and so it <laughs> amounted to an ambush, really? Yeah,
0: there was an ambush. An ambush by one of the people who was supposed to be sweeping the building for potential problems. Uh, there was no way to interrogate him afterwards because the with Harry there as a general, he had a security detail. The Officers from several other countries, too, including, had their own security details. And half of them fired back. The assailant got off about three shots, bang, bang, bang. And by the fourth one, he was getting hit himself.
1: So he was dead on the scene.
0: Yeah, it was that fast. But uh, Harold and one other a British general got hit. Harold's was fatal. The British general survived for several months, but he died too. That's getting sidetracked into no, details. No,
1: those are important details, and I'm just wondering how you remain so calm in telling the story. How have you been able to cope with this so well?
0: I'm not so sure that my coping with it is the best way to describe it when you put, you know the circumstances when you put the uniform on, and I was in the army myself for a while, short while, uh, it's just one of the things you accept, and you know it, it hit when it happened, uh, but we knew the possibility was there, and,
1: so do you worry about it like now with your grandson is it something that's always on your mind or is it something you're able to put in perspective as his choice for a career
0: it's something you put in perspective it's uh we are all on this planet for a short period we can't always dictate when our piece of it will occur I know. Maybe the fact that I was in the army myself for a short period at the end of World War II had. Well, you you knew it.
1: I, I just admire you, being able to almost at age ninety accept what seems so hard to have a child die before you. Does it help at all? I know there have been several tributes to your son. I know every year the Legion riders from Altamont come out and put flags around your yard and a street was named after your son. Does that help at all or how how do those things Uh, affect you?
0: I can't really say that it affects me that much Mm -hmm. because I know the situation. It's Part of the circumstances you accept when you put the uniform on. Uh, I was in the period I army mean, for a short period of my life, tail end of World War Two, and uh, it's a part. You know that the odds are you will survive, no matter when you go in, but the possibility is always there that you won't, and we know it. He knew it, and. uh, And you might call it a set of odds that you accept when you go in. If you can't accept it, you don't belong in the service.
1: I guess that's true. Have, have his wife, who's in the military, has she been able to accept it? And his daughter? I guess his son must have because he's followed the same path.
0: Well, she's a colonel herself. Yeah. Uh, and they met in the service. Mm-hmm. They were both captains when they got married. Uh Sue probably followed a more formal military career than he did. Uh, she's from a military family,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, her father was a lieutenant colonel, and they moved from base to base as a, when she was growing up. So she, it was, there were no surprises for her when
1: she, that was her way of life. Yeah, yeah, and I guess for her son now too,
0: right. He's a West Point grad.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, I thank you for sharing um, these thoughts. Is there anything important? I'm sure there's a lot that we haven't been able to touch on, but do you have any closing thoughts for people or anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh,
0: I have a lot of private thoughts but I'm not sure that they would have any meaning for anybody else. Uh, I remember our oldest son growing up. Something of a character. <laughs> I can laugh at it every once in a while. But
1: uh, You mean remembering some of the things that he did when he was a kid. Right. Yeah it's good to but, be able to laugh that we forget that a lot after someone dies you know
0: I haven't forgotten in fact that's basically what I remember I tend to remember a lot of more p- pleasant
1: that's great uh,
0: and in many ways he was lucky he didn't suffer at all he was killed almost immediately with the first shot they hit him uh, and having served in the army and watched a few people hurt. I'm almost glad he had to go the way he did rather than have to sweat it out in in pain over a long period of time. And his family, they not only accepted it, I think you know already that his son's in the military also. A West Point graduate. And that uh, Sue was a retired colonel. So. They still have military connections. In fact, what did I do with it?
1: Maybe you're looking for this. This was out on the table. Oh, here it is. I
0: still get the Army's a,
1: L, and T. Is that a magazine they put out regularly? Is that what that is? No. Yeah. Here, I'll reach across the table and take a look. It's a very slick-looking publication. Design, develop, deliver, dominate. Army, A, L, and T. And I'm ashamed to tell you, I don't know what does A, L, and T stand for. Um,
0: the first word is I Army. Mean, <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah. The thing, but it looks like. Army um,
1: Research. Yeah, okay, good. He was in the research end of things. And it's just a beautifully put together magazine. Um,
0: he was in command of Naomi's research and development program at one point, and uh, They still send it.
1: And you still read it.
0: <laughs> I read it, yes. <laughs> I'm
1: putting on my glasses to see see the fine print. On, I just am hoping I can see what that's stands for logistics and technology, acquisition, logistics and technology. So that was his field, A L and T. Thank you.
0: Basically, he was uh, his final assignments were on developing, improving army performance, no matter where it fell. That meant equipment, training techniques, all of it.
1: Yeah, I guess the Army, like everything else these days, has to be on the cutting edge of technology because it's constantly changing. That's correct. And that's a good place for someone with a brain like his (laughs) that was able to do that.
0: Literally, literally, that's correct. That's the way it is.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this.